Hey everybody, welcome to Leading From Afar, a podcast by remote leaders for remote leaders, aimed at sharing knowledge and experience to help make remote awesome within your companies. I'm Scott Markovitz. I was the first hire at Envision and helped build the foundations of the company for marketing, sales, product, operations, and pretty much everything in between. I've also mentored and consulted with hundreds of early stage startups, including a bunch of remote ones. And I'm Tevi Hirshhorn. I've built and led design and product teams remotely, and I'm a longtime remote work evangelist. Each episode, we'll speak about hot topics, trends, and the future of remote work. We'll also interview some super smart leaders at all levels of remote teams and introduce you to new tools that can help you succeed as a remote leader. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning into today's uh, show. Tevi, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing, Scott? Good, good, good. Um, yeah, so today uh, we want to talk about something that uh, is very special in my heart and something that I think about and I, I speak to companies about quite often, um, employee career trajectory. It's something for me, I believe that, um, you know, I think everyone probably listening, you know, probably Debbie and I, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a question that, you know, we've been asked and we ask in interviews, which I think is you know, one of those worst questions you could ever ask in an interview, like, oh, you know, where do you see yourself with the company in three to five years? Um, you know, first, first get higher and then, then no worry about it then. Um, but I think it's. I guarantee be, you, in 2015, nobody said in a pandemic, so it's really hard to answer that question. That's <laughs> that's probably very accurate. Um, but I, I'm certainly a believer that should be the first question that is asked to an employee on the first day of their of their work. Um, I, I'm no, I guess I think we'll, we'll we'll dive in there, but I think it's you no know, super critical. By the that, way, though, yeah. By the way, it's also important as as a job seeker to ask. The potential employer, where is this going? Where will this role end up in three to five years? Where where am I going from here? For people who have you know that ambition um, of where they, they see themselves, where they want to see themselves, um, and kind of just that mental picture that okay, you know, today I'm a developer, and in five years I want to be, I don't know, an engineering manager or or whatever. You know the 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 dream goal is, but I think it's also you know, super important for the the employee that's coming in. What does that path look like in the company? Is there a clear path? Is there you know, a clear trajectory and a clear map that, that's drawn out um, that will allow that employee to be able to uh, successfully grow from, from A to B to C and be able to reach you know, those milestones in that place that they want to be? Um, I, I think, yeah, no, Debbie, you're, you're spot on. I think it's something that's super important to, for an employee to know before they even join a company. Yeah. Every employee on day one sits with their direct manager and a senior person, so depending on the size of the company, um, whether it's a CXO, the CEO, you know, it's probably a smaller company um, or a VP in their company. Um, and from day one, I think it's, again, sitting down in three years, you know, where do you want to be? Uh, five years, I think it's probably a bit long. I think three years is probably a better fit. Um, and when that trajectory is set, you know, it's super important um, to A, put clear milestones, so you know, six months, 12 months, 18 months, so on and so forth, and you know, put very easily defined um, to-dos, you know, things to check off that list for within there. Um, so it's very clear for, again, something that's coming in as a, a entry-level or a, you know, associate-level designer or developer or customer support person, whatever it may be, okay, you know, here's what the path looks like. Okay, you know, you're going to start from... Um, a frontline customer support person. And six months from now, um, you have to achieve these five things. And then after that amount of time, you, let's say, become 
uh, a senior associate. And after 12 months, you've accomplished these additional things after that. Um, and now you, you know, move into a team lead position. Um, 24 months uh, time, again, you need to achieve these A, B, and C, um, where you can roll into uh, no, a support manager role. Um, and having kind of that clear trajectory, making it obviously clearly defined. So the employee, again, knows what they need to achieve, um, how to achieve it. The company understands you know, what needs to be achieved for the person to move about and obviously gives them um, a clear path to do it. Um, and I think it, for me, it's I, from the experience that I have um, and all over the years, it makes the conversations a lot easier and a lot smoother. Now, I remember in the early days um, of working, it's you know, having that conversation with the boss about a pay raise or, or, a, or a title change. It's always you know, something very nerve wracking. Put together, you know, PowerPoint presentations of all the things I've achieved, and you know, having that discomfort of asking for some amount of money or or a title change. Um, I think, you know, if you have that clearly defined trajectory and that map in place, you know, those conversations really don't even need to happen. Um, six months, you've you've achieved these five things. Okay, automatically that title changes. You know, there's compensation change, obviously, so long as the finances allow it. Um, and again, it is clearly defined so that the company doesn't need to debate and look into, well, did they really deserve it? And should they get the title now? Okay, it's clearly defined. And end of story. I, I actually a little bit disagree. I think like you have to ha- have leveling conversations with your with your managers or your directors, whoever it is, is, is overseeing you. Um, and, and when I say leveling, I mean like, or, you know, what is the next level that you're supposed to get at? Um, and But you also have to think about career trajectory in terms of, I'm a lot more fluid. I, I don't think you can really pick your five-year goal. I think that's absolutely impossible. Um, but I think that on, on a quarterly or an annual basis, you might be able to say, I'm looking to shoot to accomplish this or learn that. Um, and it may not be a people management position. I, I know that it seems that the normal way for people to go in, in careers is, you know, the higher level means you're managing more people. But some people are just, they want to get really into their their development or their or their design or you know whatever it is that they that they are best at they may not want to actually oversee other people so um i think that that's one side that you might be able to just think about what you want to learn and how you want to grow um and then on the other side i think you also have to think about from a, an employee's perspective they have to think about what it, what is the actual potential at that company um, especially in the startup world, you know, not every startup has massive traction and, and that that's outside the individual contributors control often. So if I'm a, if I'm a developer and I'm in a company that has only like four or five other people, then what I want in two years might be different depending on if there's massive traction or not. So it should be more like a constant conversation at, at quarterly reviews or even monthly and say, hey, I want to learn this or work on that as opposed to saying in five years, I want to oversee a team of, of 30 people, because that, that may not happen. I think we're both on the same page. There's a, a big renaissance coming um, around something that you had mentioned of obviously moving up a management track versus an IC track. Um, you know, historically, it's always been, you know, if you want a bigger paycheck or you want better benefits or a better a title or whatever it may be, and that means up that vertical ladder, up the management chain. Um, and I've you know, seen through my career so many times where that, you know, it doesn't work with people uh, where people like being an IC. You know, people love selling software. People love writing code. People love you know, writing blog posts. Um, and that's what they want to do. And you know, what happens is management says, like, hey, this person's a super amazing developer. Hey, now let's go hire three, five people. Let's put them under them. 
Um, and now that person is going to magically, be, magically become you know, the, the greatest teacher and now build a team of five amazing developers just as good as them. Uh, and everything is going to work out. Everything is going to be wonderful and, and hunky-dory. Um, but in most cases, that doesn't happen because, again, in that, in that scenario, that the, the person doesn't have the desire, you know, again, to be a manager, to be a team leader. Um, they just you know, like writing code. Um, so, yeah, I no, wouldn't clarify that. Of you know, I think there's obviously the two tracks you know, for the person who wants to go up within the company, up that ladder um, of defining kind of you know, where they see themselves. But I think you know, even on the same side of, of someone who's an IC, um, that you know, their milestones will obviously be different. It's not taking on you know, project leadership uh, responsibility or team leadership responsibility. Um, it could continue to be um, you know, quality of code or quality of sales or number of sales. Um, potentially maybe with a mix of you know, helping onboard new people, not in a specific you know, leadership position, um, but in the mentoring position or a mentoring opportunity. Um, so I, I think, you no, know, there's definitely, again, I, I don't, I, I think we're, we're hopefully on the same page here, uh, that there's definitely the two tracks and depending on the track that you want to go, um, they'll obviously be more clearly defined, you no know, steps to get there. Um, to another point that you said, I think it's, yeah, it's definitely, not specifically written stone, but it's obviously based around kind of those reviews, whether it's quarterly, whether it's half years. Um, I believe, you no, know, historically also review processes have been complete crap. Um, it's always been, you know, what have you done the last six months or last year or whatever it is, so I don't fire you today. Um, it's never been, okay, I as a leader, have I enabled you to achieve the goals that you need to do to move again, let's say move your career up the ladder or continually being able to do what you want to do. Um, I think reviews need to be, you know, 360 degrees. No, obviously from the employee side, was I able to have, you know, hit my sales numbers? Was I able to have this uh, code quality or, or you know, whatever the, the criteria there are um, in whichever field it is. But in the same time, it's you no, know, I think uh, is management helping me go along uh, the same way as well. I know your thoughts and support. Yeah, so I, I actually wrote a little while ago about what I call mentor leadership as opposed to servant leadership. And my perspective on that is, is because so many people are entering the workforce um, and they're, they're, it's very difficult to get your first job without having two, three years experience, which is kind of crazy. Like it's very hard for new designers and product managers and developers to get that first job. So it's, I, I say that it's up to the leaders to, to help get people productive, to get people ready to work. And therefore, I, I think that there's a missed opportunity if you're not investing in your people to, to be better and to grow. If you're only looking at what they've done, like in hindsight, and you're not seeing what they could do in the future, then it's like having your money in cash instead of investing it because people are able to grow. They want to grow. And when you help them grow, they feel better about their career. They see a future at your company. And then you end up with someone who is more skilled and more capable and can do better. And it's, it's just a missed opportunity if you don't help them. No, I, I totally agree. No, do you think it's um, the same for every type of role and every type of position? Um, or do you think maybe that um, is more defined on the type of role, maybe the type of you know, uh, life cycle of the company, you know, maybe in an early stage company, um, it's more difficult or it should be looked negatively at hiring more junior person because um, you need someone to kind of you know, hit the ground running. Um, or do you still believe that, again, you know, the, the value of someone who's hungry and who's dedicated and passionate, um, and if you, you give them the right tools and you give them the right mentoring, 
you know, do they have the, the opportunity to be you know, just as successful as, you know, again, someone that's uh, more experienced? Well, I don't think you ever want your entire team to be like new grads, um, but I think it's important to have a, a percentage of people that, that are fresh and new. Um, I think that gives you a new perspective to your team um, when you include you know, younger people with new ideas. And I think that having more experienced people on your team also allows more mentorship opportunity from the other side to those, to those young you know, new grads. I think last week I had uh, a, a debate on social media about, especially around developers. You know, I've seen this quite a bit that um, you know many companies, whether in startups or or what level, you know, don't want to hire junior devs. Um, again, they want someone who hit again hits the ground running. You know, there could be some issues with the code base or the quality of the code they they write later. Um, no, not being a developer myself, you no, know, it's hard for me to debate technically into that. Um, but you no, know, from the business strategic side. And again, I see obviously the value of bringing in, you know, junior people. Obviously, not everyone's junior people, uh, but giving them them the opportunities, you know, giving them the the, you know, the the room for growth and giving them skills. Because again, how does somebody become a senior developer or a senior salesperson? Exactly, they have to get a job somewhere. You know, they have to be a junior, a salesperson or developer at some point. You know, somebody has to kind of take that chance on them, and, you know, give them the experience and give them the opportunity to be able to grow. Yeah, I mean, it is a cost of business. It does. You know, I, I've worked with lots of younger designers and younger product managers, and the way I've dealt with it is simply moved out expected due dates and timelines to accommodate their learning curve and to give them a chance to you know, get, get productive and, and to learn the right way to give that private one-on-one review to get them to iterate a little bit and fix things. So there is a cost to pushing out timelines, of course, but I think you end up with someone who's, who's really happy and fulfilled in their job, who is appreciative that you've taken the time to invest in them. And I mean, the work, the work is good. You believe it's something that also should involve the rest of the team? You know, should the other members of that team be involved in mentoring and onboarding um, or you as a leader, again, the design leader, the development leader, um, you know, you take that uh, role specifically yourself and, and be that person's you know, guide the entire, uh, again, the entire, let's say. So I, I have usually taken that upon myself as a leader because I don't want to hurt the other team's you know, productivity. But if somebody has an expertise that, that they are uniquely good at, I will, I will ask them to share and, and help out the rest of the team to get into speed. I on, on the product side and design side, there's always like these people with, with very unique skills and very unique experience that, that they bring to the table. I, I try to always fill out a team and make sure that they're, um, everyone complements some sort of gap that's in the team. So, you know, if there's, a, if there's a product manager who's got a deep technical expertise or another product manager that has deep domain expertise, and I try to fill out the team with those different things. So I do, I do try to create opportunity for people to share their knowledge and skills. And then those people actually feel valued for being given the opportunity to share, but within balance, you know, you don't want to pull down the rest of the team to help out one specific person. Two follow-up questions, you know, based on your experience um, of leading teams. Number one, you know, what do you see as optimal onboarding time that kind of within this amount of time, mistakes, you know, you kind of give that slack. And after that time, you know, the slack starts kind of going away. And again, if, if trouble starts arising after that point, then you know, it means you know, maybe it's not the right person. Or again, you know, maybe in a scenario, you need somebody more more senior. Maybe we'll start off with that, that uh, well, question that's a, that's a very good question. I, I've always hired people who were able to be productive out of the gate. Um, the question might be like productive at what scope? So um, I've hired designers who had amazing 
graphic design sensibilities and illustration sensibilities, but maybe didn't quite have the interaction design stuff. So I'd be able to give them a, a project scope that was maybe just one screen at a time and or one control or component, whatever that that is. So they could work on their design, yep. but perfect it within like expanding their scope in a smaller area and then gradually giving them more and more um, to work on. Um, from same with like product management, I, I, there was someone who, who I, he, he came to me, he wanted to switch to product management from more of a support role and he had good technical understanding as well. And he was leading some IT integrations on, on the technical side. So I saw him as, as having a good potential in, a, in another area. So I gave him more of like a technical yep. integration product project. And, and I taught him like how to, how to, you know, measure impact and, and think about, about the problem we're trying to solve on a bigger level and working with data. And, you know, I taught him that stuff. Um, but the project I gave him, he was able to handle if he had someone else to walk him through that, the business and data stuff. Um, but then once he got past that, he understood how the other stuff was working, he was able to work in other areas. And I gave him you know, projects that were more, um, kept pushing him to a, a different level. And he turned out to be a fantastic product. That's actually opened up. I have like two or three more questions that I had. Um, so let me start with the other one I had originally. Um, what do you see as the, or maybe from your experience, the optimal hiring of kind of you know, placement of a, a junior person? You know, you hire, let's say, two or three senior people and then bring a junior person. Kind of what is that right you know, number fix of when you bring in somebody junior versus uh, more senior people? Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, I don't know that there's a, a single answer that it really, really is up to the team and, and the problems you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. I think in the very beginning of a small team, you have to have people who are able to hit the ground running because you need sure. that leadership. You need that expertise um, to, to get to a certain level. Um, and then, you know, it's up to you as a leader to see like where, where can we be a little bit more flexible in who we hire and, and start filling out the team. Cause as I said before, you have to have balance. You can't just have only, um, you know, new grads. I mean, what do you think? Is there, is there really like a one size fits all answer? Like what, what's your opinion on that? I agree with you. I think there's no one, uh, one fits uh, all, uh, you know, answer that goes there. I think, and it's obviously depending on the team and the skills and makeup of the team and kind of what is the, the opportunity that you have and the, the needs that you have and, and how is that person filling them? Um, so I, I, again, I think mirroring what you said, you no, know, you need those originally a number of those people who hit the ground running, who have kind of holding up the foundation. And I think, you know, maybe once, uh, you know, they're able to hold that foundation of bringing in that, uh, you know, that junior person to kind of give the extra help, um, while, you know, still maybe the other people are able to hold the foundation with one hand while, you know, being, you know, helpful, uh, to the new person with the other one. Um, so I, I agree with you on that. Um. My next question, again, if you want to ask questions, don't feel free to jump in. But um, I, it's something that, that you brought up, and I, I'm definitely a believer in. I think it's, to me, I think a th maybe a third track of, of this kind of conversation. You no, know, the vertical, the IC, um, and the horizontal move. Um, you know, somebody being, you know, I've seen this and I've tried to champion this, you know, within companies that I've worked with. Uh, let's say somebody moving from a support role into a product role. Um, I personally don't see any better person moving into a product role than a support person um, because there's no one within the company that has more of a breath um, and a finger on the pulse of what's going on with the users and understanding the good, the bad, the alternatives and everything else. Um, how do you see that you know, fit in there? And you know, what do you see the opportunities you know, within the teams that you have, again, of moving people horizontally you know, within roles? 
Well, I think your question shows why it's impossible to have a five-year plan because people do stuff and they realize, hey, you know, I don't like this or this looks interesting. I didn't know about this. So, you know, someone who's doing support and maybe that was just a job they got initially and they've done it for a few years. And now that they've been in a, in a tech company for a while, they can see, hey, there are these other roles I had no idea about. Like, I didn't know about product management when I was in high school. Like, that was a non-existent role, I think, um, at, at the time. Um, so it's something, you know, your career evolves and, and your, your goals should allow you to evolve that career. So yeah. um, I, I would say that it's, it's a, a horizontal move from a title or from a, a scope. Like, I don't know what a focus area perspective because mm -hmm. support mm -hmm. and product are different. Um, and similarly, like with design, people who maybe go from branding or graphic design into interaction with UX design, um, I've seen people come from everywhere from design and product. That, I mean, my, my experience is design and product. So that's, I think that you're, you should allow people to make those moves and give them the opportunity to, to learn more. I mean, why not? Yeah, com no, completely agree. It's a similar type of thing of like that junior role. If you're a support person, you're a product person when you move to design or what move. Again, you don't have that design experience. You don't have that product manager, uh, no title on your resume. Um, but as a as a manager or a leader on the team that you know your your people on your team then may may want to move into a different role. Um, is there a best method to do that? Is there a, a, a way to kind of collaborate and say, hey, okay, you know, as a support person, you know, work with a product team and you know, do a, a project, you know, work on a single project. Um, I don't call it like a test drive, uh, but having kind of some opportunity to get that experience on the project side, see if it's enjoyed, see if it works well for all the teams involved. Um, you know, front end, um, you know, design, design system. And I said, hey, you know what, why don't you do the front end code for that as well, as opposed to just us doing only design, um, maybe he could write the, the code for that and it would be like all tied together. So the whole library was was graphic assets as well as code assets. And uh, I worked it out with the CTO. They actually happened to be underhanded on the front end side. So he was like, yeah, why not? Let's do it. So it worked out and it was a project based thing. And he decided that he really did prefer that. Um, and he ended up leaving to go join a different company as a front-end developer. And that was cool. I was happy for him. He found something that he liked um, and he did a good project. It worked out for the company. And it's all about like trying to understand what they want. I think as a, as a leader, it might be hard because you want your team to, to do what you want them to do. And, and maybe you can't always afford to have them do something else. But if you could accommodate, it might work out. And in this case, it worked out with this project. Um, but then I ended up losing a good, a good player, um, to somewhere else, but we actually ended up working together again later. So that was, it was kind of cool. It's an, an amazing point. I'm you know, definitely a believer of, you know, giving them the skills, the experience, the tools and different pieces to be able to achieve, you know, that, that dream goal that they have, you know, even if it's, even if it's with a different company, um, again, because there could be ceilings, there could be people in the roles, there's no opportunities, there's no funding, whatever the issue may be. Um, but as a leader. Um, it should be that focus again that you give that person all the things, the tools that they need to be able to achieve their goals. Yeah, I mean, but what, would you want someone on your team, Scott, who wanted to do something else but you didn't let him? Like, wouldn't you see oh, that sure. as a problem? Sure. No, if they want to do something else, and then it means obviously they're not super excited at doing what they're doing now. My focus would be how do we allow them to do that um, again, whether.
whether exactly. it's in one you know, quick jump, again, moving totally between departments, um, or it's kind of, let's say, that smaller step, you know, again, doing a project, okay, you know, let's, let's work together with a different department, you know, let's run a project together, see how you like it, see how it works for everybody, you know, and if that's you know, the right optimal move, then okay, then, then do it, because again, as a leader, I want you to be successful. Um, I want you to be happy. I want you to enjoy what you're doing every day, because if you do, then I know you're going to give 110%. Um, exactly. Stuck what I want you to do because that's not exactly I mean the way I, I see it is it's a ticking it's a ticking clock if he comes to me and says I want to do x instead of y and I say no then he's going to look to leave he's going to be unhappy whereas if I say yes let's try to figure out how we can do x in your current job um it turned out to be a benefit he ended up leaving anyway but this way we actually got something good out of it and I maintained a good relationship where you know we ended up having another opportunity to work together you know later which is fantastic. Like, why, why would you want to burn that bridge and, and make someone unhappy and beat them down and, and they're going to leave anyway? It's super important to, uh, to, to give that, and that opportunity and empower the employee to move in the direction uh, that I want to and, and move, stand behind and certainly not stand in front of them. And then, and then the positive is like the, the second case I gave with, with the product side where that ended up being a really big win for, for the team, in my opinion, because we had a really great... Um, you know, someone who had a great customer service experience, he understood the customer needs, he understood the technology, and he became a, a you know, a solid contributor to the product team. So that was, he stuck with the team and did great work. So that was an even better benefit. So the way I see it is you could, you could create a culture which allows people to, to come to you as a leader with, with their dreams and desires for their career. And you can provide a safe place and see if you can help them. And maybe they leave the team, but either way, they're going to be unhappy and leave the team. But at least this way, there's there's a, a benefit of, of maintaining a good relationship with somebody who you might get to work with later. Or the other side, even bigger benefit is they become an even better contributor to the team. 100%. 100%. Any last thoughts? I'm curious from your side. I know you, you've you been managing um, you know, support longer. Have you seen people transfer into support or, or try to um, change their direction within the team? Um, in history, I haven't seen many people move into support. Um, obviously, versus going the other direction. Um, it's all, all your people are leaving your team to join my team. <laughs> I believe that every company there should do company wide support. No, so everyone's doing support from the CEO down. Uh, but yeah, in in my experience, I haven't seen many people move into that role. Um, I've seen people kind of brush up against, like especially maybe people on the development side or maybe product side, just to get a, a, a better sense of what's going on with, with the user base, but I haven't seen anyone transition into that. Uh, but I've definitely obviously seen people transition from a support role into a product role. Again, nobody knows the product and what's going out there better than the support team. Um, I've seen them move into more technical uh, roles that, again, they understand how the product is, but now they want to be more involved in building it. Um, or I think I've even seen people move into the design role. Again, understanding how the, how the use cases are, what's going on, being able to try to better the design of the product and move it forward. Um, but yeah, to date, uh, not so much uh, moving into support, but uh, no, definitely trying to enable people to, to move into the right uh, role from so starting off as support, and which I believe is probably one of the best places that you can start to, to branch out in. Yeah, I agree. I, I used to make um, you know designers and you know sit on the phones. I, I remember I was doing user research once where I had to go to call centers and I was sitting on the phone hearing hearing these conversations and I would say ninety percent of the phone calls that came in were were always yeah. edge cases. So when you, when your entire life is steeped in edge cases as a support person, 
you get such a different perspective on the product than someone who designed the product with like the, you know, thinking only about the best case scenarios. Yeah, for sure. Um, also know some of those, I, I know, I think 37 signals, uh, base camp folks were very, uh, of this mentality of, especially in the beginning, you know, building something for yourself, you know, my specific use case, my need, my whatever, building that for that right. initial use case. Um, and then where you move beyond that, you know, I think it's obviously a great opportunity to get from support and, you know, from the customer facing teams of, okay, you know, you have people using it for the reason that you built it for, but obviously then as the product and hopefully grows, um, you have many other use cases of why they're using it, ones that you probably would have never thought about um, and definitely allows you know, a product team and then a management team to you know, get some perspective and an understanding of you know, how else the product can be used. Right. So what do you think is the one thing you want to leave our listeners with uh, regarding career trajectory? Yeah, so the one thing I think it's, you know, as, a, as a leader, you want to be very supportive of, of where your people want to go. Um, again, whether that's a... a opportunity to move up the ladder and moving into a management position, um, whether it's staying in IC role and they just want to sell software or, or build software, um, or it's in, in the horizontal role, again, moving from a support to a product team or, or some kind of horizontal move like that. Um, it's you know, being supportive. It's trying to stand behind them, giving them the opportunities, um, again, whether it's the leadership opportunities to move up in team leadership, whether it's the product, the project uh, opportunities to move horizontally, um, or it's just you know, giving them that engagement and reward you know, for continuing to be the best salesperson on the team. Um, again, I think that's the best thing that I can give is just you know, make sure you're standing behind supporting um, and definitely not standing uh, in front of anybody for moving in whatever direction they're, they're looking to. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's great. I think as a, as a manager, as a leader, you want to leave your culture open enough where, where your team can feel comfortable to approach you with, with a career question or a career request. And I totally agree. You want to be supportive and and see how you can help them, you know, within the confines of the team and the company, which can help the company. Or if, if they're not happy, then then it's best for everybody that they leave instead of having someone who's resentment, resentful and bitter on the team. Um, and, and, you know, I like to leave a question to the listeners. I'm curious for anybody out there listening. Um, had, did you ever have a horizontal move in your career? Did you ever approach a manager? How was that received? Um, share your story with us. We'd love to hear yeah, please do. And Tevi, thank you so much you know, for the great conversation again today. And until next uh, episode, we'll speak later. Thank you, Scott. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning into today's episode of Leading From Afar. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can learn more on our website, leadingfromafar.com, and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite app. This podcast is all about you, the remote leaders. We'd love to hear from you with your feedback or ideas for future topics and remote leaders we should be speaking with. Thank you.